This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Father, we do thank You, Lord, for bringing us here. And Father, thank You for hearing our prayers. Lord, we are so blessed, Lord, to be able to bring needs, all of those things that would uh, make us anxious, cast them off, cast them upon You because You care for us. As always, Lord, we ask for Your wisdom in reaching out, serving in whatever uh, capacity You you desire, uh, all of the people that are represented here on our prayer list and others uh, that we come across as well. Lord, uh, enable us, give us wisdom in uh, taking opportunities to glorify You in whatever way You would have us to do. We ask for wisdom in sharing the Gospel. Pray especially for those in need of salvation. And again, we ask for opportunities. Lord, make us faithful witnesses for Your kingdom. Lord, tonight we ask for Your wisdom again as we open Your Word before us and consider the truth that You've given us. Please grant understanding. And Lord, as I speak, I ask that You enable me to deliver the message You want delivered. Grant accuracy and clarity for the edification of Your people, for the salvation of those who do not know You, and ultimately for Your honor and glory. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. It's good to see everybody. Isn't it a blessing to... I told somebody today, I said, I'm glad I'm not going to church tonight in a horse and buggy. <laughs> or what? Or on a horse. Yeah, or on a horse. That's right. Oh, boy. We have a lot of luxuries that we take for granted. Uh, my grandmother used to tell me about... Uh, my great-grandfather had a schooner. Of course, he was a commercial fisherman up there on the eastern shore. <laughs> Everybody pretty much was, I guess. Um, and she used to tell me stories about him taking her places. And uh, my grandmother, the one that's telling me this, uh, was born in 1891. And when she was, uh, I believe it was 1900, it was 1900, 1903, something like that, they had a world exposition in Norfolk and he took her there in the schooner. It's about an 80-mile trip, 90 miles in the water. And then uh, they had family there. And she came back on horse and buggy. And again, that's about an 80-something mile. I've made that trip many times, but never on a horse or, or in a horse and buggy. Uh, always took us a couple hours, you know, an hour and a half, something like that. But I uh, can't imagine doing it in a horse and buggy. Um, so anyway, we got heat. That's a blessing. <laughs> heated cars and heated buildings. We're blessed. 
All right, if you would, open uh, your Bible to 1 Timothy. And I'll, let me just ask before we even start, are there any questions on what I talked about Sunday? Didn't have opportunity to do that Sunday night, so I'll ask now. Well, praise the Lord. Appreciate that. All right, so everybody can recite the four points that I gave there. <laughs> Bob's got them, I know. <laughs> One or two or three. Amen. Okay. Well, as I said, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing, nothing new, stuff we've been talking about all along and, and continue, Lord willing, to talk about. Um, just, uh, just tried to condense it and put it in one message there. Although I may, may come back to it at another point and try to, uh, give some application. I, I didn't get a lot into that because, uh, the clock was working against me pretty, pretty strong there, so I finally had to give in to it. But, uh, at any rate, tonight we're in 1 Timothy 6 and we'll pick up in verse 13. And I'm going to read just three verses here, or four verses, 13 through 16. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing which He will manifest in His own time, He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Okay. Um, so we start here with a, uh, and this is kind of a, I would say, an eg- exhortation to, uh, to perseverance. Um, as we've said several times, Paul's been giving Timothy, primarily Timothy, uh, instruction here uh, in doing his job as a, uh, as a pastor, as uh, an evangelist, an elder in the church at Ephesus. And he's also giving instruction for the church there. By implication, he's... He's giving uh, instruction to other uh, pastors and elders and to you and I as Christians. And uh, here he's coming close to the uh, close of his letter and reminds Timothy again to be diligent. It's, a, it's an exhortation to persevere. Um, keep the commandment. And again, he uses this word urge. I urge you in the sight of God. Uh, who gives life to all things. So, let me, let me just start right there. Uh, we, we've seen this word several times, urge. The word urge is translated differently in different places, but the same word or root uh, several times. We saw it in uh, chapter 1, verse 3. starts out the letter, I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other Doctrine. Now there, it's it's actually the word charge in that verse. Um, Remain in Ephesus Ephesus that you may charge some. 
And then in uh, 4.11, these things command and teach. So in 1 Timothy 1.3, it's translated charge. 1 Timothy 4.11, uh, and, and I'm reading from the New King James here. It may be a little different in different versions, but in, in uh, the New King James, in 1.3, it's translated charge. In 4.11, it's translated command. These things command and teach. Paul uh, Paul is commanding Timothy, and he's also commanding Timothy to command others. Command these things. Again, in, and that's, by the way, is another phrase we've seen several times. These things. Again, in 1 Timothy 5.7, these things command that they may be blameless. And then uh, also here in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age. And every, every one of those are just different forms of the same word, which is translated urge in verse 13. I urge you. One reason I wanted to show you that is so you see he's not making a suggest, suggestion here. The word is sometimes translated command. And... Uh, and that's the idea. In fact, it's the same word. Um, you remember the, uh, uh, and it's used often in the New Testament. You, re- you may remember in Acts when uh, uh, you, you've got this uh, demon-possessed girl following Paul around. And Paul finally turns to her after he's had enough of it and says to the demon, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. Same word used there as well. So, so it, it's it's stronger than just a suggestion. So Paul says here, I urge you or command you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Jesus who witnessed the confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ appearing. So he's commanding Timothy to keep this commandment I urge you to keep this commandment until the Lord's appearing. So it's an exhortation to persevere, to endure, to do uh, all that Paul is laying out here, to do the Word of God. Or let's, let's say it this way. We, we, we pointed out two words that um, uh, have been major themes here uh, in this epistle. Um, one is uh, doctrine. And the other is godliness. And this has been the theme all the way through the epistle, and they go hand in hand. Sound doctrine or healthy doctrine and godliness. So, right teaching, you could say, and right living. And that's what Paul is again urging Timothy to do. Do these things and do them, be diligent to do them, until the appearing of the Lord. Now, uh, it's a solemn charge. He calls a couple of witnesses here uh, just, to, just to emphasize the seriousness of it. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, not only the living God, but the source of life. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I'm, I'm commanding you, I'm urging you before God. In the presence of God, that you keep this commandment. Um, this is the same kind of thing that they're they're doing in the uh, courts, and it's ironic that we still do this in our courts when uh, you know we're not supposed to 
believe in God, I guess, but they, they still uh, like to put you under oath if you go <laughs> go into a, a courtroom and, and you have to testify. And as far as I know, they're still using the Bible and, and, uh, and asking you to swear, uh, basically, by God and, and uh, by God's help, with God's help. But he's putting, in a sense, Timothy under oath here. I'm, 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 uh, I'm under obligation. I'm urging you in the sight of God. The living God, calling as it were, God is a witness. He's, in other words, he's saying, Timothy, um, you're accountable to God. He's reminding him, he's reminding us to be diligent in, perse- in persevering because ultimately we're accountable to God. Now, there's, there's a, uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ, he goes on to say, there's a, uh, that should bring about a, a, a uh, soberness. I mean, it ought to cause us to uh, to realize the uh, the weightiness of what we're doing, and at the same time, it ought to offer great encouragement. You know, Timothy and the people at Ephesus and all of the the, the uh, churches in the New Testament era uh, era were facing persecution, and so it's and, and churches around the world are today. And it's good to know that ultimately. God is our judge. We stand before Him. We're accountable to Him. And so, whatever persecution is brought to bear in this life, uh, ultimately, uh, we're accountable to God. So, that, that's good to know. It's like when, when Peter was, and the other apostles were persecuted, and, and uh, they said, look, uh, you judge for yourselves. Should we obey God? Or obey you, you know. They're just their way of saying we're we're accountable, first and foremost, and ultimately to God. And that's what Paul's reminding Timothy of. You're accountable to God, so I'm urging you in the sight of God, before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's so he's calling as uh, as witnesses here, the living God. Source of all life, God who who uh, gives life, and Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Now he sets Christ forward here as again as as uh, one whom Timothy is accountable to, but also as an example. Look at look at verse. Um, 12, for example, fight the good fight of faith, and this is where he begins this exhortation. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's talking about Timothy there. You confessed the good confession. And uh, now he says in verse 13 that Jesus also witnessed, bore witness to the good Confession. So he he sets him up as uh, again as one to whom we're accountable and as our uh, example. In other words, Jesus persevered all the way to the end before Pontius Pilate, when the when the persecution uh, was was uh, at its at its worst or was about to be at its worst. Um, Jesus stood firm and confessed the good confession. I find that an interesting phrase, and Paul doesn't tell us exactly what it is, uh, 
the good confession. The good confession. And I'm assuming from what he says here about Jesus that he's talking about uh, confessing Christ as Lord. Jesus as Lord, as the Christ. Remember, Pilate asked Jesus if he were a king. And uh, Jesus said, you say that I am, or you say rightly that I am. He confessed before Pontius Pilate that he was indeed a king. And that's when he goes on to say, my kingdom is not of this world. So Paul says, Timothy, you confessed the good confession, and Jesus bore witness to the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Um, so I'm, calling, I'm urging you now, I'm imploring you before God and before Jesus Christ, keep this commandment. Endure. Persevere. Be diligent. Hold fast. The writer of Hebrews says, hold fast the profession. Um, I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned these before, but um, these always come to mind. You know, I think about con- confessing the good confession here. Of course, we've seen the, 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 uh, the greatest example of that, Jesus Christ before Pontius Pilate. Timothy also confessed the good confession. There have been many down through uh, church history who have laid down uh, their lives and not forsaken uh, their confession of, of submission to Jesus Christ as Lord. Uh, one that, that uh, always fascinated me is the story of Polycarp, and this is very early on in church history. He was uh, uh, taught by an apostle, or, or, a, or a disciple rather, of John. And uh, Polycarp was called before the emperor, and uh, he was aged man, 86 years old. And uh, out of uh, some pity for him, they tried to. Uh, they said, you know, he's going to be executed if he doesn't if he doesn't uh, deny Christ. And so they 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 tried and tried to persuade him to uh, to uh, take this oath to the emperor. And uh, he wouldn't do it. And they, they basically said, the ruler there basically said, look, all you have to do is, is say, you know, you, you confess your allegiance to the emperor and you say, away with the atheist. And that's what they called Christians because, it's ironic, isn't it? But they called Christians atheists because Christians rejected the Roman gods. And so they, you know, so all you have to do is, is, uh, is take this oath to Caesar and say before the crowd, and there was uh, you know thousands of people there. Say before the crowd, away with the atheist. And Polycarp uh, waved his hand toward the crowd and and the uh, king there, and he said, "Away with the atheist!" <laughs> Except he meant them and not not the Christians, and they knew they knew what he meant. And so they tried again to persuade him to deny Christ, and he said. Eighty-six years have I served him, and he has done me no harm. Should I now deny him? And he went on to say, let me make it clear who I am. I am a Christian. And they burned him. He died that day. 
he confessed the good confession and he would not back off of it. And there have been many others down through church history. And that's what Paul is, is exhorting Timothy and all of the church here to do. Don't, don't back off. Hold fast. Keep it. Keep it. Endure. Persevere. Verse 14. Here's what he's urging him to do. I urge you, verse 14, that you keep this commandment. Another interesting statement that is unexplained here. I mean, I think we pretty well figure out what the good confession is, but Paul doesn't tell us. He doesn't specifically say what he means by that phrase. And then here we have the commandment. I'm urging you that you keep the commandment. And he's being specific. There's a definite article there, translated either the or this. You keep the, the commandment, this commandment. What commandment? What commandment is he asking Timothy to keep? Is he charging, not asking, but commanding him to keep? Well, he doesn't tell us, does he? So there, there, there are uh, options here. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, what I think is probable here. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple. I mean, he may just he may just mean the whole word of God, the counsel. In other words, you you keep God's word, guard it, keep it. Do it. Be diligent. You keep it without spot. Blame it. Here's the concept of godliness again. You keep the commandments. Concept of teaching or doctrine. You keep it without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. Flip back to uh, chapter 4 for a minute. And let me give you uh, one reference that uh, <clears throat> seems to me to fit. Although, really, you could look back on this whole letter and say... Paul maybe, when he says keep the commandment, he may have in mind just everything he said here, which to me would also make sense. Chapter 4, verse, verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now, there's a, there's a specific command to Timothy. Timothy, don't neglect the gift that's in you, that God has given you. In Second uh, Timothy, he tells him, Stir it up. Stir up the gift that's in you. Verse 16, Take heed to yourself and to the teaching. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Keep this command, Timothy. The teaching. The wholesome words. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ, as in... Uh, Chapter 6, verse 3 here. Uh, teaching that accords with godliness. Paul saying, I urge you to take heed to yourself and the teaching. Adhere to it so that you are without spot and blameless. Give yourself, yourself wholly to it and do it until our Lord Jesus Christ 
appearing. Sound doctrine and godliness. That's what he's commanding Timothy to stay focused on. And continue to do it until the Lord comes. Verse 15, which He will manifest in His own time. Chapter 6, verse 15. Which He's talking about His appearing. His appearing which He will manifest in His own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate. You know, I meant to look up, and uh, I don't know, Brother Carl may know. I meant to look up th- that English word, potentate, and, and see what the... Uh, Look at the etymology. I don't know either. The etymology, and I never got around to doing that. I'm just just curious. But um, probably a better translation is the word sovereign. That's that's the idea here. Um, the the word the Greek word is has the same root as the word dunamis, which is where we get our term dynamite. So so it has to do with power, which I'm sure potentate does too. You know, potency. Um, I would think is is uh, part of the uh, etymology of that word. Uh, it doesn't conjure up good things in my head, you know, because I always think of the uh, uh, what do you call them? The, the you know, like the the, the Shriners and things. But uh, uh, <laughs> when I hear that term potentate, because that's the uh, the context that I that I have been familiar with it, uh, in in the past. But uh, it, it just means sovereign, powerful one. In this case, all-powerful one. All right. So Paul, Paul says, why he says he's the he's the blessed. What's the word blessed mean? Hmm. Happy. That's right. Yeah. So this is the same Greek word that's in Matthew five. Happy. It's the same. Matter of fact, you, you flip back. We talked about it here too. Um, Chapter 1, verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. Remember, I I preached a message on that. The happy God. According to the glorious gospel of the happy God which was committed to my trust. And he's warning there, he's warning Timothy not to, uh, uh, well, his hearers not to adhere to any other doctrine, uh, any doctrine that... uh, Accept that which is according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. The happy God. And Paul brings that term in here again. He who is the blessed are happy and only potentate, only sovereign. He is the happy and only sovereign. And if that's not clear enough, I'm, I already mentioned that in this context, he means the, the, the most powerful one by that word potentate or sovereign. If that's not clear enough, though, he clarifies it. King of kings, Lord of lords. So, Paul's, it's interesting here to me because Paul's purpose here in mentioning the Lord, again, is to remind Timothy that you're accountable to the all-powerful one. I'm urging you, Timothy, to do what you're charged to do, adhere to sound doctrine, live godly in this present world until the Lord Jesus comes because you're accountable to the blessed and only sovereign. But now, as Paul does so often, and he's already done it in this letter too, 
Now, as he does so often, and when he when he begins to contemplate these things, he just goes into a doxology, and just it's just like a a, a word of praise here. Now, he again he did this also back in uh, in uh, chapter one, um, verse sixteen. However, for this reason I obtained mercy. Here he's talking about his own salvation. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He just breaks forth into praise. He starts singing. This, this is an incredible thing. And I was thinking about this yesterday. He's, he's thinking about theology. So that's what it is. He's thinking about theology. Now, when, when most people, not necessarily people here, but most people hear the word theology, what happens? What do they think? Dull, boring. <laughs> Just the opposite is true. You know why? Because all theology is, is a word about God. I mean, when you study theology... That means you're studying God. If, if you're doing it right, anyway. That's what it's, what it's supposed to be. And when Paul begins to consider these theological truths, um, which is the same as to say he's considering the nature and character of God and all that God has done, he just can't help himself. He just uh, breaks into a doxology. That's what he does here which He will manifest in His own time, He who is the happy and only Sovereign, the King of kings, Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Theology has implications. Paul's not just throwing out, you know, uh, abstract concepts here. You know, here, here's, here's some things about God. And they don't really affect us, but I mean, it's just interesting to know. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, here's, here's truth about God, Timothy, and it has, it has direct bearing upon you and your ministry. This is what your ministry is about. This is what being the church is about. I'm writing so that you may know how to conduct yourselves in the household of God, which is the church, the called out ones, those who have been called, elected by the living God, the one who gives life, Paul says, the blessed, the happy, and only sovereign. I'm writing so that you may know how to Act as one of His. The church, you, the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. And that's what he's telling Timothy here. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things, the blessed and only potentate or the happy and only sovereign, Timothy, that you keep this command because you're accountable to Him. Because number one, it's all about Him. 
I mean, that, that's what the command is concerned with. It's, it's teaching and living the truth. Sound doctrine and godliness. And it's all about God. Sound, sound doctrine, the subject of sound doctrine is God. Godliness means God-likeness. So it's all about being like God. That is, displaying His character. So who He is has bearing on what we're called to do. Paul says, I charge you, Timothy, before Him, in His presence, that you keep this command. In other words, be diligent to do all that I've told you to do here. Until he appears. Amen. Well, we'll we'll stop there and maybe pick back up on some of that next week. Um, immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. <laughs> to him be honor and glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do love you and we do thank you for your truth. And Lord, uh, we pray that You make us diligent uh, as we've uh, seen in the Sermon on the Mount, diligent in our uh, letting our light shine, living as uh, children of the kingdom in this world, diligent in our adherence to Your Word, heeding sound doctrine, living godly lives so that we reflect Your character, Your nature, so that through it all You're honored and glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.